When we have God's wisdom inside us, we become the light that others can see by, as we hear in this comment from our teacher, Mike McIntosh. So God has a wisdom that this morning he is saying, when wisdom enters your heart, Proverbs 2, verse 10, God wants to put in your heart wisdom that will bring understanding, discretion, and knowledge that you will become not an Iron Man or a Superman or the Incredible Hulk or something weird, but you'll become, in a sense, supernatural because inside of you, you're going to have light that the average person around you does not have. And I'll stand up and shout And I'll praise you, Lord Jesus And I'll stand up and sing And I'll thank you, Lord Jesus And I'll stand up and shout Today on Chapter and Verse, author and teacher Mike McIntosh will continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Proverbs. All throughout our lives, we'll face challenges that will require not only using our intellect, but our savvy and life experiences to lean upon in order to make the right choices. God wants to help us by giving us the wisdom we need to make the correct choice. Proverbs chapter 2 is our text and the title of our message is Wisdom from Above. This is the first part of this important message, so if you're able, grab your Bible and follow along with Mike as he begins our lesson for today. Would you please turn to the second chapter of the book of Proverbs as we continue our study in wisdom. Wisdom from above. My son, if you receive my words. So Solomon is speaking to us, and as we saw in our last message on last Sunday, Solomon is the author of pretty much all of these. There's a couple uh, proverbs that we'll look at that uh, were not written by him. Uh, He had a purpose for writing the the proverbs is so that the people that uh, lived in Israel, that he was the king over, would be wise and know how to live. God gave us the proverbs so that you could understand what you can't see and that you can live a good life. And if you memorize these If you read them, you're going to be a wise and understanding person. You're never too old and you're never too young. The word of the Lord will do marvelous things. So these were written by Solomon. And we left off verse 9. We're going to start verse 10. And I'll read to you. When uh, wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things, in some of your translations, maybe the King James would be the word froward. It means perversion, perverse, bad. Speaks perverse things. From those who leave the paths, plural, of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. Whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. They're clever, they're manipulative. These kind of people are around all of us. Some of us are probably these people, too, without the Lord. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who makes the companion, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house, the sexually promiscuous woman, her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None 
who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life, either STDs or just the moral fiber of men that are promiscuous. They never come back to full strength. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Now, last Wednesday evening, we had a really super fun outpouring, an outbreak of the Holy Ghost, actually, on Wednesday night. It was very, very sweet, very powerful, very loving. I think people stayed an extra hour just to worship. It was just a, a move, sovereign move of God. And when we ask for wisdom, heaven will open up and give us wisdom. He'll give us supernatural insight to life. And I had to ask everybody to have an assignment that during this past week that you would let God give you wisdom and he would illuminate your path. So when Solomon writes verse 10, when is wisdom enters your heart, it's going it's to come in, it's going to have an entree into your life. And then knowledge, the second word, is pleasant to your soul. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. It's going to deliver you from the ways of the wicked man. And then from the immoral woman in verse 16. But the wicked are going to be cut off in verse 22. And the unfaithful will be uprooted. Um, It would appear that many members of mankind that have influence in today's society all over the world, not just speaking from our country, you know, are earnestly and sincerely in their own hearts trying to make a man to either clone him or to make man in his own image where God made man in his image and likeness and these sincere people are trying to create a new world order that for whatever reason will not include the God of the Bible the great creator and miracle worker and these seemingly well-intentioned intellectuals do honestly endeavor to propagate their belief Uh, And their belief system that does not include a creator, nor does it really seem to need one because it can all be done in a test tube. I'd like you to turn with me, we'll come back here to this uh, Proverbs 2, to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 1. And I'd like you to look at verse 18, if you would, for a moment. I could quote it to you, but I love having you learn the Bible yourself. And I'd like to give you a backdrop here of the man that is writing this letter to the city of Rome is probably recognized. Josephus, I think, uh, the antiquity of the Jews, one of the world great historians would have thought that. Uh, History books tell us. He was a true mental giant. To be a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling class, he'd be very bright. Uh, He was a very deep and profound philosophical and theological thinker. He was a good debater. Uh, He was a political expert. He knew his way around the Mideast. He's writing, his name is Saul, he's from the town of Tarsus. He became later converted and is known as Paul the Apostle. But he's writing to an audience that is in the capital of a one world government. He's writing to a a known new world order at that time with Caesar, where the weekends were filled with the murder of Christians by placing them in sports arenas and um, outdoor arenas with gladiators and bears and lions and wild beasts to fight for their lives. And, and uh, alternative lifestyles were promoted by Caesar and by this government. And it was beginning to deteriorate. And this man, who is going to be a prisoner and chained and taken to talk to Caesar, uh, wrote to these people. And he wanted them to know that as intellectual and as intelligent and as smart and political as you are and your lives are 
full of party and fleshly endeavors. You need to know that God is real if you say he's not. He's still real and he's put his fingerprints all around your life if you'd look. So look at verse 16. Paul starts out by saying in his opening remarks to this group of people, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to save you for salvation for everyone who believes. It could be the Jew first or it could also be for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God it is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And that statement there is the statement, that verse, that um, Martin Luther read that, the just shall live by faith, and realized that the Christian community, the church, was wrong. That the Pope was having St. Peter's Basilica, the Vatican, built, and so they had what were indulgences, and it really broke his heart. He is a Catholic priest. And uh, he began to realize that there is no way that a person should be made to do works or things to gain approval from God to have their sin forgiven. Nor should people be giving money or indulgences to have their sins forgiven just to build St. Peter's Basilica. So as he came to this, it dawned on him with this revelation. As he searched the scriptures, he realized that people were being frightened and scared that if you don't give to build this great center of the world for the church, your grandmother, your aunt, your dad, your brother, your sister are going to burn in purgatory for a million more years. But if you'll give money, then years will be taken off of their penalty in purgatory. So that's when Martin Luther had this Protestant or protesting spirit and attitude and through the scriptures came up with 91 points that showed that we should live by faith and according to God's word, that man wasn't in charge of God's body or church, and that he is the head of the body of Christ. So he nailed on the Wittenberg door in Germany the 91-point thesis from this verse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth, people that suppress the truth, in unrighteousness, because that uh, what may be known of God for each one of us to know anything about God, is manifest in them, in our bodies. For God has shown it to them. David, as we saw on Wednesday nights in the Psalms, said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It's in you. You know that your heart is beating, not because you're making it beat, but because the Creator has got a heartbeat going. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. None, none of us in this room have an excuse to say there is no God. We're without excuse because although they knew God, and some people know about God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor, and this is a big one, were they thankful. You just saw a family on their way to Peru that is thankful for God. And their little children have God's word hidden in their heart. So they weren't thankful, these people but became futile in their thoughts. That circular reasoning. Their foolish hearts were darkened and professing to be wise. That's a good one. They professed to be wise and smart and intelligent. They became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness he let them just go their own way, the human race, in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, 
and they worshipped and served the creature environment, Mother Earth, the spotted owl. They served the creature more than they served the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So God has a wisdom that he is saying when wisdom enters your heart, Proverbs 2 verse 10, God wants to put in your heart wisdom that will bring understanding, discretion, and knowledge that you will become not an Iron Man or a Superman or the Incredible Hulk or something weird, but you'll become, in a sense, supernatural because inside of you, you're going to have light that the average person around you does not have. Uh, God, I think, messes with people's minds. I forgot to get a picture of this. Maybe you could find one sometime, Jason, the duck-billed platypus. Somebody said one day, on the sixth day, God created the duck-billed platypus, and God said, let's see the evolutionists try and figure this one out. I don't know if you've ever seen a duck-billed platypus. They're a strange-looking uh, creature, but there's no way that they can say it evolved from a duck and a platypus. Um, it's just a strange creature. I'm going to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 4, just giving you a little background of the man that had wisdom of how blessed his life was, so that you could say as you take communion today, God, could I have the wisdom that this man had? Could you make me? I'm not talking smart, intelligent. I'm talking wise. You could be without a complete education and still be very wise and discreet and understanding. This is verse 20, 1 Kings chapter 4. Israel and Judah were a wealthy, populous, contented nation at this time while King Solomon ruled. The country was at peace. King Solomon ruled the whole area from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines and down to the borders of Egypt. The conquered peoples of those lands sent taxes to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. The daily food requirements for the palace, this is what it took to feed his family, his secretaries, his uh, bodyguards, everybody inside of his palace. Look at this. In one day, this had to happen every day. Um, the daily food requirements for the palace were 195 bushels of fine flour, 390 bushels of meal, 10 oxen from the fattening pens. Now think of that for your house. You may get a pound of ground beef. 10 full fat oxes every day. 20 pasture-fed cattle, better than Ruth, Ruth Crisp or Outback or Fleming's, 20 pasture-fed cattle, and 100 sheep. And from time to time, he'd mix up the menu and have deer, gazelle, Sears Robux, and plump fowl. Oh, Robux, it says. And plump fowl, uh, he'd have different kinds of animals. That was just one day. So when the cooks and the chefs and the butchers got up, and the bakers, they were already starting preparing the meals. And that's how much it took. This is how wise this guy was and how many people it took to support him. His dominion extended over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Tipshah to Gaza, and there was peace throughout the land. Throughout the lifetime of Solomon, all of Judah and Israel, all of Judah and Israel, the north and the south, lived in peace and safety. Crime was down. And look at this. Each family had its own home and garden. Instead of the government having such influence that their homes would be foreclosed or taken away or bankruptcy, it was quite the opposite. The wisdom is so wise at the top level that everybody was a homeowner and had a garden, which means they could have had flowers on their table every day. They could have had fresh fruit and fresh vegetables just supporting themselves with their own garden. 
Every member of the country had their own personal home, and there was no competition or stress. And there were no greedy banks or mortgage companies or salespeople trying to make a quick buck. The country was at peace because wisdom was flowing. So each month, uh, throughout the lifetime, Judah lived so that each family had its home and garden. Solomon owned 40,000 chariot horses and employed 12,000 charioteers. Four horses to a chariot, uh, that's a lot of horsepower. I have a friend that I love very dearly, that has been blessed very dearly by the Lord, has tremendous wisdom and uh, tremendous wealth. And um, I know he has a, a warehouse of just his collectible cars and cars that he builds. And then he has his car with garage with the Ferrari and the Maserati and the 911 Carrera and the BMW and then the Hummer and all the family stuff that he can play with. But then this other place, and I was thinking... I always love looking at his cars. He doesn't let me come anymore because I drool on them, and he has his Meguiar wax shining on them. But I was thinking if, if this, this man, Solomon, had 40,000 horses and 12,000 chauffeurs for these chariots, what an influential person that he was. God gave, it says here, each month the tax officials provided food for Solomon and his court, also barley and straw for the royal horses in his stables. And God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding. Underline two words there. And a mind with broad interests. You and I are dumbed down and trained to just, you know, just have a couple of interests. Now his mind thought this way. It was, it was out where yours and mine would come and become myopic. Wisdom will open up your mind. You'll see behind you and to the front and the left and the right and above and below. In fact... His wisdom excelled that of any of the wise men of the East, including those in Egypt. He was wiser than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, and Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And he was famous among all the surrounding nations. They all knew that he was the wisest. He was the author of 3,000 proverbs. How many proverbs have you made up in your lifetime? Is there one little thing that you made up that nobody else has ever said that is so wise? He made up 3,000 of them. His mind was so unique. And look at this one. He wasn't just a square. He wrote 1,005 songs. So then you have to ask yourself, how many songs have I written in my life? So not only was he intellectual and deep and, and uh, a thinker, he had rhythm. And he, he could hear an orchestra playing in his mind. And um, he, he was just playing on a, an instrument uh, that was biblical though it's from Peru, as um, Caesar was playing, I thought of uh, Psalm 33. It says, Praise the Lord with the harp and make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. And that's what he was playing, an instrument of ten strings. I have a twelve-string guitar, but a ten-string gives you a whole different sound. And David knew this. Well, Solomon picked up this music ability that the dad had and carried it on. A thousand and five songs. He was a great naturalist. He would have loved the, the San Diego Zoo. With interest in animals, birds, snakes, fish, and trees. What kind of trees and flowers and bushes? From the great cedars of Lebanon, the huge ones like our sequoias, down to the tiny hyssop bush which grows in the cracks of the wall. Otherwise, his mind was so wide that he could comprehend huge things, but then he would find interest in, I wonder why that hyssop bush is growing. It's coming out of the crack in the wall. Where does it get its nutriments and there's no dirt? 
And what makes the leaves gather the raindrops down? And his mind was just always working. He was great, and the kings from many lands sent their ambassadors to him for his advice. Well, I'd like to give you three thoughts here before we take communion. Number one, there are words that can change you. Words that can change you. The first one is the word wisdom. When wisdom enters your heart, so now we know that you have the right to say, come in today or let me still be adult the rest of my life. There's wisdom in this world and there's folly. Wisdom and folly are both fighting today to control you. You have the right to say, I'm going to be a frivolous person. I'm going to be a party animal. I'm going to be a self-centered person. Folly is just running your life. You have no thought for tomorrow or the future or how you are affecting people's lives around you. Or you can choose wisdom. They both want your attention. And when you get the wisdom, it enters your heart. It says knowledge is pleasant to your soul. So now you begin receiving and saying, Lord, I want wisdom. In James it says, if any person lacks wisdom, let him simply ask God and God will give it to him liberally and he will not reprove you or upbraid you or scold you and say, what are you, some dummy? But he'll give it to you liberally. So today as you take communion, you can pray, God, I want heavenly wisdom and God will give it to you. If you're silent about it, you won't get it. Yourself will rule your life and people around you will rule your life. But when you get wisdom, the knowledge, which maybe I don't read much, you say. I don't like books. I don't study. You know, maybe that's not your thing. But then all of a sudden, knowledge becomes very peaceful in your heart. And somebody will start talking about something and you'll go look at it. It's like a little child. A little child is like a wise Solomon. If a little child sees a caterpillar, you're going to think, do you think that they're going to say, oh, let's go in the house and watch television? No, a little kid's going to walk up and say, what is that little fuzzy wuzzy? You know, he, he, he just instinctively goes to it. Well, you and I would look at a caterpillar and say, eh, so what? But if you had wisdom and you saw, you would learn about that caterpillar. You'd learn about him. It's like what goes 99 thump, 99 thump, 99 thump. Of course, it's a centipede with a wooden leg. But you'd be wondering what's making the thump sound. You'd be questioning what is going on here. So... Words that can change you. Wisdom, it enters your heart. Knowledge, it becomes pleasant to your soul and you begin learning more. And then discretion, the third word. Discretion will preserve you. It's what's going to take you to heaven. It's going to take you all the way through your life. It's going to keep you healthy. It's going to protect you. And what is discretion? Discretion, we would say, is, you know, you've got a top secret clearance or a crypto final clearance or a confidential or a secret clearance. And discretion says that You have raised your right hand and sworn to protect the United States of America from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And you've been showing some things. Discretion says you don't ever repeat those things that you know. You've sworn to that. Discretion says that your love will cover a multitude of sins. You're not going to point out your best friend's faults to other people. But in reality, discretion means we weigh what we are doing. Now ask yourself, have I been weighing what I'm doing? Some of the problems I'm in today and the pressures in my life because I didn't use discretion and weigh my path before me. What we're doing and where we're going, that's a big one. You realize where you're going. Discretion says this is where you're going and it is making decisions with care. You're very thoughtful. So we weigh what we're doing, we know where we're going, and we make decisions with care. I read a story of a man that was sitting in in England 
I think it was in England. And there was a private school that had a big block wall around it. And to protect the children, they had, you'll see this throughout Asia, I've seen it quite a bit, um, cement along, blobs of cement. And then there'll be broken bottles and glass on top. You've seen things like this. People use it for security. So if a burglar is going to break in, they're going to get pretty cut up. That's Mike McIntosh on CNV, concluding part one of his message, Wisdom from Above. Seeking wisdom from God is the only sure way we can make the right decisions in our lives. And this will be our theme once again on tomorrow's broadcast. Please join us then. If you use the internet to find in-depth Bible study resources, you'll want to mark MikeMcIntosh.com because that's where you can find information about Mike's audio teachings that are available in the sermon area under the teaching link. Click onto this site and you'll find a full selection of teachings through the Bible by Pastor Mike. The address again is MikeMcIntosh.com. As we close our broadcast for today, I want to remind you that Chapter and Verse is heard each weekday on this radio station thanks to the financial gifts we receive from you, our listening audience. If you've been ministered to through this outreach, please consider making a financial gift. And of course, we very much appreciate you taking a moment to pray for us here at CNV Radio. You can write to us at Chapter and Verse, Box 231150, San Diego, California, 92193. That's Chapter and Verse, Post Office Box 231150, San Diego, California, 92193. You can also securely give online at MikeMcIntosh.com. Join us tomorrow for more from Proverbs. Chapter and Verse is presented by Horizon International Ministries. And I'll stand up and shout.